Over the past few months, we have been in a series called This Is My Community. And over the past few weeks, we've been talking about our identity. I have really been encouraged by this whole part of the series. This whole idea of identity, finding our identity in God, finding our identity in Jesus Christ. It is so important. So we've been talking about that, but I want to change it up a little bit this morning. Kevin ended that part of the series, if you will. So I want to, I want to change it up. And one of the ways we're talking about building an intimate, dynamic community. One of the ways that we can build community, not just community, but an intimate community, a dynamic community, is that we we need to create a climate that inspires people. You know, I think we're pretty good at that at Grace Chapel, but I want to take it to a whole new level. I really do. I want to continue to create a climate that really inspires people who come to church. I don't want people coming to church just sitting in the seats, listening to something, listening to some music, and then feeling like, well, that was good. We did, my, we did our thing. We, 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 you know, we made it to church this week, and that's it. I want it to be a time of inspiration. And the way you create a dynamic church is that you create that environment where people feel inspired where they feel motivated, where they feel like God can truly use them. To do that, to do that, we need to fill the church with people, like I said, who know who they are, their identity. They understand who they are. That's first and foremost. If you don't know who you are, it's going to be really difficult to accomplish anything. So who, who am I in Christ? So people first who know who they are. And if you come for the first time or you've been here for like a couple of weeks, make sure you go back and get the, get the, uh, the CDs uh, of, the, uh, of the sermon tapes so that we, you can listen to that and get that whole, that, whole, that whole part of the series where we talked about identity. You have to know who you are. And then also we need to have people who are not afraid to step out in faith. People who are not afraid to step out in faith and truly follow after their God. The church needs to be filled with people who are willing to step out in faith and who are willing to step out of their comfort zone. And I'm telling you, that is, an, that is a very difficult task to accomplish. To have a group of people, a church filled with people who, just, who understand who they are and who are not afraid to follow after their God. It isn't difficult to build a large church. It isn't difficult to fill people up in the, in the, in the church if you're doing a few different things. But what I'm talking about is creating an environment within the church where people feel, who are in, people feel inspired to follow after their God and people who know who they are. That, my friends, is a difficult task. And I think if we we continue to remember what we learned over the past month or so when it comes to our identity, and if we can and if we put in put our hearts the desire in our hearts to to follow after God and not to be fearful, I think we can accomplish so so much. See, we need to dream and we need to live with a relentless spirit, with relentless passion. That's how we all need to live. It can't be just a few. Every single person here needs to understand who they are, how God has gifted them, and how they can bring that to bear on the church. The question is, how do we do that? 
I mean, how, how, how do we do that? How do we become a church that is so dynamic that it changes people's lives? It changes the people's lives within the church as we interact with each other. It changes people's lives in our community as they hear about what's going on in the church. And it changes the world as we reach out beyond the borders of our own country and impact the lives of people around the world. But how do we do that? How do we accomplish that? Well, I want to share four important steps that every single person here needs to remember. I'm going to share two this week and I'll share two next week. At first it was all four this morning, but then something came up this week that I really wanted you to hear. And it fits so well into the sermon that I broke it up into two sermons. So two this week, two next week. Number one, a dynamic church remembers how God has helped them in the past. A dynamic church, if we want to be an intimate, dynamic church that inspires each other, we need to remember how God has helped us in the past. It builds confidence to remember, it builds confidence in the future to remember what God has done in the past. That makes sense, right? We think about it. It builds confidence for today. It builds confidence for our future and what we think we can accomplish, what we believe we can accomplish if we remember what God has done for us in the past. And that goes for our personal lives as well as our lives as a body of Christ, as the whole body of Christ. It helps to remember the time that, for example, I thought I wouldn't make it, but I did. Or I thought it was the end of something, but it wasn't. I thought I was down and I wasn't going to get back up. I was just emotionally or or physically or whatever the case may be, I was down. I didn't think I was going to get back up, but I did. I I thought I was alone and and I thought I was doing it, but I wasn't. It helps to remember that. It helps remember the times where where you feel overwhelmed, the times that you felt like you are not going to make it, but then God came through in your life. And what that does, we learn about the character of God. When we remember the past and what God has done for us, we learn about the character of God through all of those challenges, through all of those difficulties. See, the great thing about being a follower of Jesus Christ is that, that when, you, when you go through something, it's not a waste of time. Whether it's really difficult, whether it's something positive, it doesn't matter. All things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So we need to remember what God has done in the past and even in those challenging times because it encourages us for the future. We need, we need to have that confidence. We need to bring, if you will, I remember what's gone on in the past and how God has helped me in my life. I bring that confidence within the body of Christ. I bring that confidence in God into the body and that motivates and inspires other people. You bring that confidence of how God has worked in your life in the past and that brings, it brings in with that confidence brings inspiration and it brings motivation to those around you. When people are discouraged, someone else lifts them up. Someone else reminds them or gives them their testimony of how God has worked in their lives. Or if you're close enough to that person, you remind them of how God has worked in their lives in the past. We so easily forget. But God has told us over and over in the Bible to remember, remember, remember. When Israel, the Israelites would go through a certain experience, God would say, build an altar to remember. I want you to remember this because he knew they'd be going through challenging situations in the future. And he wanted them to remember the past to give them strength and faith for the future. We need to remember how God has helped us throughout our lives. We need to remember that and realize that the future is no different The future is no different because God doesn't change. 
God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And that goes for individuals as well as a church as a whole. It goes because God does not change. God is not going to love you one day and then not love you the next day or another day. Our God loves us. He loved us in the past. He loves us in the present. And he will love us in the future. He's helped us in the past. He's helping us in the present. And he will help us in the future. And if he's, and if he's helped me that way, if he's helped me in the past, then I can trust him with my future. And that's what we need to do. We need to have faith. We need to trust God with our future. And that's what David was trying to explain when he said in 1 Samuel 17, 34 through 37, when he, when he said this, but David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by the hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion, the paw of the bear, will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Let me read that again. The Lord who rescued me in the past, the one who saved me in the past, the one who gave me strength in the past, the one who gave me courage in the past, the one who helped me overcome in the past, the Lord rescued me from the paw of the lion, the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. This is what happened in the past. This dude's going down. You know why I know he's going down? Because the bear went down, the lion went down, and he's no different. He's going down. See, that's confidence. That is confidence. We need to follow David's example and remember how God has helped us in the past. God has been by our side. He continues to walk with us. Even when we go through the valley of the shadow of death, we will feel no evil. Why? Because we know God is with us. He was with us. He is with us. And he will be with us regardless of our circumstances. When we bought this campus as a church, this campus that we're on right now, there were times where I wasn't even sure we were going to cover costs. You know, we're two and a half, three years old. We buy this $1.8 million facility, which was a phenomenal price for all that we were able to get. But still, we didn't, we didn't have old money to rely on. You know, we go, even today, I mean, we go sometimes like, you know, how are we doing this week? How are we doing this week? God provides our daily bread. He gives us what we need. He always gives us what we need. But there were times in the past where we bought this property and we had this campus and we weren't sure we were going to be able to cover our costs. And, and at, this, at this one moment I'm thinking about, or at the same time I'm thinking about, okay, a uh, sports complex and all that God is going to do in this great 40,000 square foot sports complex that we're going to have. You guys remember what it looked like before? It looks like what it looks like now. Okay. People walked in there and go, they said, you're nuts. What a dump. Remember that green fence that was around the whole property? Remember all, some of you here long enough to remember all the things that we were able to do. But I remember, you know, you're dreaming about a, a sports complex and we're going to build a marketplace ministry campus at the same time we're worrying about payroll. Are we going to cover payroll this month? Oh, I hope we do. What's the giving this Sunday? We were worried about payroll, but you know what? God got us through all that. He helped us through. He was able to accomplish all the things that we needed. And also now we're standing here looking at this campus. And I, I, you know what's really encouraging? I've had two people say they're doing new construction. And they want to put wood on the outside of their building. 
I'm like, well, of course you do, because, you know, we're trendsetters. Um, <laughs> no, it's cool. So God, we look at the past and say how God has helped us. Now we know that God can help us in the future. We can dream about the future knowing that God is going to be there with us. God is always faithful. God has always been faithful, and we need to remember that. Okay, number two, to build a dynamic church, we need to use the tools that God has given us right now. Okay? To be a dynamic church, we need to to use the tools that God has given us now. God's saying, don't wait for a better time. Don't, don't wait for something that you, you know, that you don't have. You know, so many times we sit around like, oh, I'd be able to, if I only had this or if I only had that, I'd be able to do this, I'd be able to do that. We can talk all day long about what we're going to do if we had this or that, or if we had a larger budget, or if we had, if we had more, wait till we double in size of the church. And wait, 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 you just wait, you just wait. When down the road, when we have, or we have this, or when we get that, or if we're able to do this, or we're able to do that, God is saying, wait a second, don't worry, there's no, I, don't worry about waiting for a better time. If I've called you to do it, I want you to step into the water. You know, it would have been a much better time for the Israelites not to step into the river, wouldn't it? If I were there, I'd be like, well, if we wait a couple of months, you know what I mean, it'll be down and everything will be good. We can walk right across it. God's saying, don't wait for a better time or something that you don't have. Listen, there will always be, there will always be something that you don't have. There's always going to be something to keep you, always a reason to stop you from doing what God is calling you to do. There will always be a reason. You don't have enough time. You know, you don't have enough money. Well, why, would, why go off and start planning on what we're going to do on this campus and building a sports complex and a ministry, you know, marketplace? Why, why do we don't have any money? What are we, nuts? We don't have the time. We don't have the money. You know, we don't, we don't have the right connections. You know, maybe we need to get more educated. Maybe we need more experience. There's always going to be, I need more of something. I need more experience. I need more education. How I got experience? You know, I got a lot of experience. I stepped out in faith. And sometimes there's a difference between faith and stupidity. And I seem to step over the line very often. Um, but God helps me out. But even, even when I step out in faith, I learn something. When I step out in stupidity, you know what? I still learn something. I learn what not to do. God teaches me. The older I get, the more he teaches me. I'll get experience sometimes by stepping out in faith. I'll get experience by stepping out. Maybe things I, I, take, I took a step I shouldn't have taken. God teaches me through all of those things. See, God judges your heart. He knows your heart. And he's saying, hey, you can wait forever. You can wait forever. And I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying this morning that you need to go out and do something crazy, okay? That's not what I'm saying. But if God's asking you to do something, then what you need to do is you need to follow and you need to be obedient. You need to be obedient to him. You need to sit back and you need to step back and ask God, how can I accomplish this? What steps do I need? Even if it's a small step today and a little bigger step tomorrow and a lot bigger step, you know, just keep moving forward. Don't jump in. I'm not talking about blind leaps of faith. I'm talking about wisdom and discernment and allowing God to use you, but moving forward. So you may say, well, I don't, I don't have this. I don't have enough experience. I don't have enough education. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough time. I don't have, enough, I don't have the right connections. So what? So what? 
So what? You use the tools that God has given you now. You use what God has given you now. You surround yourself with people who are skilled in other areas that you, where you're not skilled. But you move forward now. Some churches are just waiting. They're just waiting for something else to happen. Oh, when this happens or that happens, you just wait till this happens and then they'll, then they'll step out of their comfort zone. But that's not what God calls us to do. Listen, stop waiting for your ship to come in. Go swim out to it. Right? You can, stand, you can spend the rest of your life just wait. wait would you just wait till I get this bonus? You just wait till I, you just wait. I'll be, I'll be able to win. I'll be, you talk all day long about it. Swim out to it. You use the tools that God has given you now. I'm not saying you can accomplish your vision or your dream right now. I'm not saying that we can accomplish everything we're going to talk about in the next six months in our church, all the things that we, that we want to accomplish. I'm not saying they're going to happen in the next six months. It may take us five years to accomplish some of those things, but you know what? They're going to happen because we will be relentless and we will use the tools that God has given us now. And we use those tools and we gain strength and we gain strength and we gain strength and we add God will bring those people to bear that need to, to come to, to the church in order to accomplish those things. God will do it in his timing. But we need to move forward using the tools that God has given us. Remember Shamgar from a, about a year ago? I talked about Shamgar. How many people remember Shamgar? You remember Shamgar? Yeah. Love this. In in Judges chapter 3 and verse 31, it says this. After Ehud came Shamgar, son of Anath, who struck down 600 Philistines with an ox goad. He also saved Israel. So here's Shamgar, an ox goad. Basically, here's what he did. He He used the tool of his trade in order to win the battle okay, against these 600 Philistines. He used what he used every single day. He turned his plowing field into a battlefield and defeated 600 Philistines. An ox goat is basically an eight-foot stick. On one end, there's an iron tip. You, get, get it into, you mold it into an iron tip. On the other end, it's, it's basically molded into a chisel, and the, the front end is used to prod, okay, the ox to move on. Right, go to them, move, move them along. The back end is used to knock all the dirt and all the, the clumps of big, heavy dirt off of your plow. So you have, you have a chisel on one end, you have the spear on the other end, he's poking it. And that's what, he, that's what he used, that's what he used to win the battle. That's what Shamgar used to fight 600 well-trained Philistines. He used the tool at his disposal. He didn't say, hey, if you guys, you hide behind a tree, you guys ever show up here again, you come back in a year and I'll be a ninja. You know what I'm saying? I'll be ready. He'd be, you know what I'm saying? He, wasn't, he didn't go, oh, I'm going to be a, I'm going to learn this and I'm going I'm to be, I'm going to, I'm going to learn all, you come back here, I'll take care of you. No, he used the tools at his disposal to fight 600 Philistines. How many people do you think would have said to Shamgar, that's a great idea. You got it. See, that's why we fought Shamgar. We always knew you were a smart guy taking on 600 Philistines with an ox goad. No. 
but he used the tools of his trade. He used what he had at his disposal. He used something that he used every single day of his life, an ox goad. He used a tool he was familiar with. You use the tools that God has given you now. God will give you more tools in the future. But you don't wait when God calls you to do something. You use the tools that he's given you now. So the question is, how can you, how can you fulfill God's purpose for your life and for the body of Christ by using the tools that God has given you? Maybe, maybe it's, uh, you know, for some people it's your voice. You use your voice or you use an instrument or, or you use a hammer. You're going to use the tools of your trade, whatever it is for you. How can you use what God has given you now? Maybe you're just amazing at business. How can you use those tools right now? See, a servant of God fights with the tools of their trade. A servant of God, someone who knows who they are, their identity, someone who is willing to step out in faith and follow God, okay, and not be afraid, uses the tools of their trade. So what's your ox goat? I asked it about a year ago. What is your ox goat? It was, is it writing? Is it business? Is it education? Is it sports? What is, what has God, how has God gifted you? And how can you use that to fulfill your purpose and what God has called you to do? And see, when you do that, when you then inspire all the people around you, they look at you and say, wait a second, if he can do it, I can do it. If she can do it, I can do it. I know that person. They're not, they're nothing spectacular. I mean, I love them. They're great people, but look what they're doing. How are they doing that? They know who they are and they're following God. They know who they are and they're following God. So what is your ox goat? Find out what that is and then use it to bring glory to God. Each one of us needs to find out what that is, what gifts, what tools God has given us. We got to remember what God has done for us in the past and give us confidence and then use the tools that he's given us in the present to accomplish what he's called us to do. God has given every single person in here gifts, talents, and abilities that he will use to build up this body of Christ and ultimately the kingdom of God. That is our goal. Ultimately, you use the gifts that God has given you to build up the body of Christ. And ultimately, we use all the body of Christ to build up the kingdom of God. That is what God calls us to do. Let me say this as well. There are going to be times, okay, there are going to be times in your life where you're going to want to step out and follow God's call upon you. And what's going to happen, and I don't know why this is, but even in the church, this is what happens sometimes, you're going to get discouragement. You're going to get discouragement from people in your family sometimes. You're going to get discouragement from people within the church. You're going to get discouragement, whatever. You start to share what God has put on your heart, and all of a sudden you're going to hear, nah, I can't be done. I remember, I, I, I used this about a month and a half ago with uh, some of the back-to-back staff, and I, I remember the first phone call I ever made, this is, a, this is a fact, the first phone call I ever made concerning back-to-back ministries, I picked up the phone and I called someone and I said, listen, here's, my, here's the dream, here's the vision I have. Here's what I like to do, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And the person said, that's impossible. That's what they said. You can't, you can't do that. That's impossible. I literally took the phone away from my head, took a deep breath, and I said, I didn't ask you if it was possible. I said, I'm going to do this. How do I do it? And then they said, well, maybe we could try this, or maybe we could do that. And then, Oh, now we're getting somewhere. You're going to have people, and I tell you, it cannot be done, or you shouldn't do it, or what ifs, and all those kinds of things. Now, some of them are constructive. Some of those things are not saying to say don't do it. They're just being constructive and helping you to think through the process, and so you can be successful in what God has called you to do. Other people, they don't care about any process. They just want to tell you it can't be done. 
because somehow maybe it'll cost them a little bit of something or somehow maybe they think they have to help you or they have to listen to you or something. So they're going to discourage you. That's what happens. And other people are going to say, you know what? You can do it, but just do it this way. They want to convince you that the way it's always been done is the only way to do it. Or they'll say something like, you know, you can do it, but make sure you have all of your ducks lined up and make sure you have everything laid out. Make sure you have everything squared away before you step out and try it. I think you should line up as many ducks as you can get. Think through, ask for wisdom, ask for discernment, get people around you. But at a certain point, you need to step out. At a certain point, if you feel God is calling you to do something, you need to surround yourself with people who are more gifted at you that, to do a lot of the things that you're thinking about than you are. And, but you need to step out. You need to get out onto the water and you need to take a step of faith for Jesus Christ. See, here's the thing. I love this verse. People, you know, oh, you know, make sure you have this lined up. Make sure you do this. And that's all good. But listen to Ecclesiastes 11.4. If you wait for the perfect conditions, you will never get anything done. Hear me? Hear the word? If you wait for the perfect conditions, you will never get anything done. Matter of fact, you won't even get started on anything because you're waiting. Well, I got to have this right and have that right. How many people have left this world planning to do something that they've never done? They think they have their whole lives ahead of them. Some people don't. Other, other people sit around thinking about what they want to do for the Lord, but never do it. If you wait for perfect conditions, you won't even get started. Someday, one of these days, if I just had one, my ship will come in, blah, blah, blah. But it never actually happens. You need to listen to me. You need to be wise, but not fearful. You need to get discernment, but you can't be worried. You can't allow those things to creep in and rob what God has put on your heart. I said when we started this sermon that to become a dynamic community, to become an intimate, dynamic community, that we need to, number one, know who we are, and number two, we need to, be, we need to follow God without fear. When God calls us to do something, we need to follow him without fear. And I want to introduce you to someone who is willing to do just that. His name is Joseph. Come on up, Joseph. Um, this is the reason I cut my sermon into two parts, because I wanted Joseph to share something with you. Um, I want to sh- Joseph is a, is a man who is willing to step out and do what God has called him to do. And I want to ask you, Joseph, to share what God has put on your heart and then what you feel God is you know, tell us a little about the, your past and then tell us what God has put on your heart now um, and why you're stepping out in faith. Thank you, Jeff. Um, it's great being in a manufacturing facility. Um, <laughs> you know, it's awesome to see what God can use for his tools. Um, you know, I, I look outside and I see a lot of churches actually being converted into housing or manufacturing so again it's great to see a church that actually became out of a place that was designed to be for the marketplace um is chuck prophet in here right now or is he hi chuck um thank you so part of the reason my wife and i and our kids are here is part of it is actually because of chuck's ministry so i I do want to thank you for that Uh, for the last 13 years i've worked in the financial community i worked for an investment company and um, I've always had, you know, part of on my heart is just being in a place wherever you are, you're supposed to rise and you're supposed to do it for God's glory. 
And rising is not meaning that, you know, you run the company, but you're actually doing it, again, for God's glory. So if I'm doing it for God's glory, um, you know, I was in prison once, and, uh, you know, I became the head of the prison. Uh, I was a slave once, and, you know, you're the top, you know, best slave. And then, you know, God will also rise you to the second in command. Uh, that's not my personal story, but that's kind of what I identify with. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm originally from a long time ago. I'm, I grew up in Egypt, and um, my parents gave me the name Joseph uh, because they knew we were eventually going to come here. Uh, so kind of that was our destination. It's, uh, you know, to be here in America is by choice, uh, but it's also a great privilege for us. Uh, my wife, Penny, is, is here with us today, um, the first and my, I have two boys, Jaden and Ian. And, um, you know, it's for me and my house, we will serve the Lord wherever we are and at whatever place we're at. Um, we came to Grace because I went to an At Work on Purpose event. And uh, I got the book, the business tree book, which I highly encourage. They don't teach us that kind of stuff in college, in any college. Um, and I, I read the book, and there was a few things that kind of intrigued me. Um, you know, Jeff signed it, Fight for the Heart of Your King, and uh, English is my second language. Sometimes I don't understand the full phrases. Uh, I literally got the idea of it at that last chapter. So, again, I would, if you don't know what that means, to fight for the heart of your king, I thought I had to do something to earn God's heart. But it's so far away from that because we have already are in God's heart. Um, so I'm glad I know how this book ends. But better off, I'm glad I know how this book ends. And in this book, we're commanded to do a lot of stuff. Uh, We, you know, I've gone to a lot of Bible studies, but I rather tell you now, I I try to do more Bible living. I try to live what it actually tells me. And, um, man, there's a lot of good stuff in the Bible, you know. I don't know what my ox code is, but public speaking is probably not one of them. Thank you. <laughs> but, but you know what? God chooses to use our weaknesses to be his strength. Mm-hmm. And um, I've only known Pastor Jeff for about a year, but I count him as a very close friend. And uh, his heart and his vision is truly, you know, what the Bible tells us to do. Um, as a church, you guys have a huge heart for orphanages or orphans and widows. And if you go in the Bible, you know, one of the verses that I've been working on, kind of what's bringing my vision to fruition, is um, in Matthew 25, 35, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. Mm. And I was a stranger and you invited me in. We have beautiful houses around here, but, you know, I don't see myself inviting a stranger into my house. Um, You know, it's a shame, but you probably, you know, don't know your neighbor very well. Um, you know, I can't remember the last time I shared something with my neighbor, Jeff. I mean, we tried to take them Christmas cookies or stuff like that, but it's, you know, it's kind of like that's what neighbors are supposed to do, right? Um, so God has given a burden on my life. I've always known, you know, we're supposed to serve him. And, um, you know, I've always thought it maybe it would be a mission field, foreign, And the more I've thought about it, this is my foreign field. I don't know where your foreign field is, but this is where God has placed me. And, you know, because I think I need to go to a foreign field, I sit on the fence. Mm. 
And, you know, sitting on the fences, like watching ships come in and go, ships come in and go, missionaries come to our country, and, you know, they're here for furlough. And we encourage them. I think that's one of the gifts that God has given me is to encourage people in small ways, big ways, whatever ways, you know, if you can do it, let, let's, you know, that's my gift. Um, so after our event with uh, Chuck and meeting Jeff, um, I've been saying I'm leaving my work for 13 years, and you know I've shared it with my wife about 1,300 times. You know it's like I need to do something more, but again, while I'm there, I, I strive to do it for God's glory. Uh, we were, I think it was November, and I went to that event on a Saturday. Started reading the book. I was here Sunday morning. I came by myself. I didn't want to bring my wife or kids to get them involved because you know it's, it's I'm happy with the church I'm at. Um, and, you know, church shopping is, is, a, is a lethal thing. But, you know, you just got to follow or guard God's, you know, foot putting your heart. Um, so, you know, slowly I got to meet Jeff and kind of read the word and understand, you know, everything that this book is about, the Bible. We are supposed to be out in the ministry place and in, in, in the community. And, you know, for the last year, Jeff has talked about the great expectation. He talked about the life of Joseph. And, you know, it's amazing how when, when you're talking about something like that, you know, it hits me different than it hits my wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's like, honey, did you hear what Jeff said? It's like, yeah, but that's not what I got out of it. It's like, okay, well, you know, it's, it's good for us to be on the same page. But, you know, God speaks to us in so many different ways. Right. So came in after the event, I I really knew it was time for me to go. And uh, May 14th uh, of this year, I, it was my last day at a company of 13 years. And you know what was amazing? I was thinking about it now, Jeff. I, I left and the business continues to go on. Um, you know, I, I, it, without you? It, without me. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Um, you know, I think somebody was going to replace me. I, I left on a Thursday. Somebody was coming in on Monday. But in God's work, we're not replaceable. If we tell him, God, here I am, use me, you know, I'm putting a legacy in my children. They watch everything I do. They watch everything what Jeff does. They watch everything that you guys are doing. And after one of the events a couple of weeks ago, we took a picture down. And my son, he's five, um, leave some money for him at Kings Island. Don't try to all kind of pick it up. But this year at Kings Island, he picked up $54.49 in pennies, dimes, and quarters. Yep. And God blessed him with $3 too. Um, but, you know, he picked it up, and that was kind of, you know, his summer work, I guess. <laughs> um, he spent more time looking for money than we spent riding rides. But after we left here... Um, that Sunday morning, and he had already had plans for that money. Um, he told his mom, Mom, I want to give that money to David at back-to-back. Hmm. Amen. You know, as a dad, an earthly dad, that was like a spear in your heart. But that's what it means to fight for God's heart. Hmm. And then, you know, he, he did give the money. We went to back-to-back office, and we gave the money. And, you know, God rewarded him many times over for, for that giving. But we don't give to get. We give because we love him. Uh, when Christ asked Peter three times, you know, what did he ask him? Do you love me? He said, yeah, 
Yes, Lord, I love you. He said, feed my sheep. He asked him a second time, do you love me? He's like, yes, Lord, feed my sheep. A third time. Wow. So I say all that because I also love him. And when I ask God, you know, I love you, what's my talent, what can I do? It was always in business. And uh, God has also given me a vision, and God has also given me a dream. Mm. And I shared that vision and dream with, with Pastor Jeff. And, you know, I appreciate his insight. Uh, first time I kind of shared it with him, he gave me that, what did you call it? A productive feedback or yeah, what, yeah. encouragement? Believe it or not, I'm like, whoa, 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 Jeff, let's slow down Jeff, here. Yeah, right. You know, let's, let's think this through. I mean, you, you people, I told people on the way out, and they're like, no way. It was, he, he was talking about this vision he had, and I was like, wait a second, wait a second. When you talk about quitting your job, I was like a little bit the same way. So I'm not the one saying, go for it, don't worry about it. We, we, so we talked that through at uh, Bob Evans. And just kind of talk through the, the details of it. Because we talk about wisdom and discernment and knowing, you know, making sure that God is calling you to do this. But if God is calling you to do it, then you need to step out and do it. And God has called you to do it. So tell us what God has called you to do. So everybody else was kind of go for it. So the people in my life that used to say no, uh, I love my wife and she's always giving me that kind of good feedback, mm-hmm. you know. And it's like, why are we doing this? Why do we need to do it? Um, you know, she was saying yes, but Pastor Jeff is saying kind of, you know, think about it. So I feel has God has given me a burden to actually feed his children, feed his flock. Uh, years and years ago, I've always wanted to own a restaurant. I spent so much time in a restaurant kind of eating. I love food. Um, but you know what? I always leave with a full belly, not a happy belly, a full belly, paid a lot. And, you know, three hours later, I'm hungry. And... Uh, the vision that has been put on my heart is, you know, if I'm spending so much time in a restaurant and spending so much money, are we all doing kind of the same thing and are we doing to God's glory? So part of the book, and this is kind of what I remember about that event, I ran into a gentleman. His name is Robert. Uh, he runs a place up in Miamisburg called uh, One Bistro. And on a Saturday morning, I got my wife and kids, and, you know, we're going for breakfast. It's like, great, you know, just down the street, right? No, guys, you got to eat before we go there because it's going to take us about 45 minutes to get there. So we go there, and we ate. The food was delicious. But you know what? It wasn't my belly that was happy. It was my spirit that was happy. And you know God is calling you to something when you can actually feel good about it. So when I shared the vision with Jeff last Wednesday for the second time, I was surprised because he said, you know, I want you to talk to the church about it on Sunday. I was like, Jeff, in the past I would always say no because my go-goat or my ox goat, go-goat, my ox goat, (laughs) see, can't speak. Uh, My ox goat is not public speaking. But you know what? When you surrender yourself to the Lord, you find yourself saying yes a lot more. Amen. So in a nutshell, our vision is to have a community because Jeff has been talking about community for a long time. I don't want another restaurant. I don't want to work in a restaurant. I don't want to do the things that happen in a restaurant. But when it's a community and when our goal is to be just more like Christ and whatever that means, um, I said, Lord, sign me up and I'm here to do it. And then the more I started thinking about it and the challenge is like, wow, the challenge is great. 
But if it is really supposed to be part of a community and serve a community, I need to come to you and let you know of that dream and that vision. Um, so God has given us a great location. And, yeah, tell us where is where because you he bought a strip mall. So tell us where that is. And then tell us, give us a little bit of information on what the restaurant's going to be like, what, you know, pay it forward, what your, what your thought is. So th- this location that we ended up and we're supposed to close here in the next couple of weeks, and I'll give you more information on it as, as it comes about. It was a place that I ran into about 10 years ago, and I loved the building. It's close to Montgomery Road and Columbia. It's right in front of the old firehouse, if anybody's familiar with the area. I thought it was a beautiful building it's 10 beautiful years ago. It's a beautiful building. It really is. And it was definitely out of my pay scale, out of my price range. But again, when God is working on something, it, it, you know, he makes it happen. Um, throughout, through the whole negotiation thing, you know, so many times I felt it's not going to happen. And one time my wife reminded me, so just be careful of the things that you kind of, you know, they know a lot more than I do. My wife does at least. Um, she said, you know, this building 10 years ago, you were very interested in it. And, you know, God, if it's his will, it's, it's going to happen. You know, if this is part of his vision, it is going to happen. Uh, with man, it's impossible, but not with God, for with God, all things are possible. Mm. And it's kind of ironic. That's on my keychain that my high school teacher gave me on graduation day. You know, it's good when your teachers know what your heart is. And that's the verse that he chose to put on my keychain. But also on my keychain was this other ring. If you remember back on October 5th, and I don't remember dates, but that was one of Pastor Jeff's message, community, and it's better together. Um, I went back and I listened to it, and it is truly better together. So if this is a labor that I'm going to go forward with, I think a couple of you have the same kind of dream. So, you know, it's not just my dream. I came up with the dream. You can make it fruition you can make it happen um so you know we're gonna put it out there for god and yep. and make an amazing place um we're working on the menu we're working on equipment we need to get you know heat air and light i mean anything and everything it needs but we know who the cornerstone is mm-hmm. and then when we do a grand opening instead of a grand opening i would like to do a dedication because mm-hmm. it's truly you know, I want it to be a place that you go in and you can feel the spirit of the Lord is there. And, and just so you understand, um, this is going to be a place where people go in and maybe pay $6 for a meal, um, but then they can leave more if they would like to pay for someone else to pay it forward. So people who can't afford to have a meal or can't afford to go out or just are hungry can go in and get a, a free meal, if you will, but they have to serve in some way. Maybe they can do dishes or maybe they can sweep the floor. Maybe they can do something, but they're there to serve as part of that community. So as long as they're, it's not a handout, it's a hand up. But we're going to give people an opportunity to eat. Um, at the same time, we can go and eat in a really nice restaurant. We can serve there. We can help there. Um, and it's, you know, obviously it's a business we want to, we want to be profitable, but the idea is not just profit. The idea is to invest in the lives of people in our community who are less fortunate, maybe not be able to afford a meal as well as some of us can. So when it first opens for the three months, we're at Sundays, we're going over there, we're going to eat there. We're going to build, you know, help build that business. But one of the things I said in first service is, you know, Joseph had the, God gave him the ability and put this in your hands 
financially to be able to pull this off. It is a, it is a beautiful strip mall. I mean, uh, it really, really is. Um, and I believe this is going to be a very successful, um, not just business in the middle, but there's a strip mall, so long-term, you know, other business trees in there as well. But I know that there are people here who probably have the same dream and the same vision. And that's why I wanted him to get up and share this morning, because alone, I believe God can, can do it through you, but I think he can do it even in a, in a much greater and more profound way as we use the body of Christ to come alongside and, and accomplish this. You know, it's part of our vision, right? If it's not, if it's not sinful, it's what? Exactly. It's sacred. And what he's doing is sacred and it's going to impact the lives of people. How many people are going to come to Christ to this restaurant? You know, we won't know onto this side of the other side of heaven. So um, you have anything else you want to share to close? No, it's just fighting for God's heart is really a privilege to be part of the family. Um, having the same vision as the church is, is a privilege. And that's how you know that we're a healthy church. Amen. Uh, is, is to truly have that feeling for the loss and to know, you know, 9%. It broke my heart last week to hear 9% believe in absolute truth. Uh, I pray that it's a lot more than that here, and I, I feel that it is a lot more than that here because God can use a manufacturing facility to change my community. I live just down the street from here. But we can also impact the world from the things that are happening here. So, you know. Amen. Amen. I'm not trying to encourage you, but I, I do need your encouragement and your prayers. And uh, I appreciate you, Pastor Jeff. I appreciate the, the opportunity. And, you know, if you love me, feed my Amen. sheep. Amen. I Stay need here. you. Stay here. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray right now as we close out. And then I would like you, if you would, just to stay up front here after the service so people can talk to you. Because there might be people here just chomping at the bit to say what, you know, what God's put on their hearts. Father God, thank you for this time that we can spend together. God, we, we know who we are. We have been adopted by you. We have been redeemed. We have been sealed. As Kevin shared last week, there is so much more. Father, we pray that you would help us to understand that, that we'd have boldness because we belong to you. We're your children. That we would come together as the body of Christ, not be afraid to step out in faith but to use wisdom and discernment, Lord God, as you call us, and to seek the wisdom and guidance of those around us and the gifts and the talents and the abilities, the ox goads, Lord God, of all those around us to accomplish what you have for us. So, Father, thank you for Joseph. Thank you for those around him who had this this dream. I pray, dear God, that you would just work in his life, that you would prosper him, that lives would be changed. And, Lord God, more than anything else, that people here would be inspired and motivated by this story, that they would believe that they can do immeasurably more than all they could ever ask or imagine because of who you are, not because of who we are, because you can use an ox goad to win a battle. We all have battles, Lord. Use us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week.